My guest on the show this week is Molly Burge. Now, people say financial services isn't a career young people aspire to. Molly doesn't agree. We talk about how she became an apprentice at financial advisor firm Future Proof and about her experiences along the way to achieving her goal of becoming a financial advisor. Welcome to episode 174 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Sorry I wasn't here last week. The Marketing and Finance Podcast took a break whilst I was over in Serbia, in Belgrade, delivering a keynote speech at the Content Experience Conference. I had a really good time exploring Belgrade, meeting a whole host of new people and making new friends and just enjoying the atmosphere at a conference in a different country. It was a great experience, loved it. But we're back this week and I'm talking to Molly Burge. We chat about why Molly joined a financial services company, how the apprenticeship program works, why Molly decided to become a financial advisor, the qualifications Molly studied for, the customer case she's most proud of working on, and Molly's advice for young people considering financial services jobs. So let's get straight into that interview with Molly right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Molly, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi. (laughs) How are you today, Molly? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent. Really good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Before we get started, where are we Zooming each other from? Of course, I'm up in sunny Edinburgh, as always. Uh, We're in Rygate, so South London. Molly, you are a trainee financial advisor. You work for a company called Future Proof. And I really want to explore with you today how your careers developed and, 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 and what you're going through as a trainee advisor and all the things that you're getting involved with. But before we get into that, Molly, give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself. After school, I went and did my A-levels um, at Rygate College. And after I finished there, I just didn't know if I wanted to go to university. I didn't really feel like I did. Um, so that's when I started actually went straight into work to Future Proof as an apprentice. Molly, tell me a little bit about Future Proof and what they do. Uh, So we are a a company who provide financial advice uh, purely on protection products to, uh, on a a national basis. We are fairly small, though we are constantly growing. (laughs) Our advisor team is now just almost doubled. Um, I think there were five of us before and now there's about eight or nine. But um, we've, we are, we've won loads of awards, especially over the last few years, which I'm really, really proud of. We try to distinguish ourselves. We, we definitely don't try just to sell people anything. We like to make sure that we give people really, really good, clear advice and make sure that if they take a policy out with us, that they are going to have the confidence that it is the right thing for them. And of course, Futureproof also offer a service to other financial advisors, don't they? In that if there's a financial advisor firm who doesn't particularly want to get involved with protection, they can refer 
clients to you for protection advice. Is that right? Oh, no, definitely. We've got an introducer uh, policy now. Um, if anyone's interested in finding out more about that, they should speak to uh, David Mead, um, who is the CEO of Futureproof. What made you um, want to go into a financial services firm? Was it the first company you came across or did you have an interest in financial services? What what got you started in the industry at such a young age? Um, well, I was 19 at the time. And after I started looking at apprenticeships, I was trying to think, well, what, what can I do really? And actually, I just I didn't really know too much about the position when I applied for it. Obviously, I learned more at my interviews and everything. But it was mainly because customer service uh, which is what I did my apprenticeship in it, well pretty much you need that I need to have customer service skills, skills of a lot of jobs so I figured that would be a good place to start um, it was only after um, I joined Future Proof and in the one and a half years that I was in the customer service department uh, that I learned a bit about financial services itself um, also well I mean during doing customer service job as well you also learn other skills like building rapport with customers developing professionalism, working in a team, just generally building up my confidence and also getting experience there as well. Um, and what, what would, you, would you describe the apprentice process like? Oh, obviously, when I hear the word apprentice, I always think about the TV programme with Alan. <laughs> but uh, what, you're, is, does that mean you, you go into a company for a trial period and you work for a certain amount of time to decide whether you like that? part of the of industry or how, how does it work um so it's, just, it's basically a, a normal job where you obviously you're learning as you go so I started just on the phones talking to clients uh, just helping them with queries about their policies and um, sorting any direct debit issues out but on, alongside that I'd also um, study um, put a couple of hours in a week learning and doing different modules for my apprenticeship um, and there was quite a lot of coursework that needed to be done um, and you have a 12 month period to complete this and what sort of and what sort of work is that is that um, related to being in a customer services environment it's, it's, it's supposed to it didn't really in my opinion it didn't fit too well into my particular job role so a lot of it was for people in just normal like shop positions that right. sort of thing but it, it was level three and the question, the work itself was, wasn't too difficult. It was just mainly trying to fit it into, so you need to use examples all the time. I demonstrated this by doing this. Yeah. It, it was quite fun actually. And we've taken on quite a lot of apprentices, uh, apprentices since I finished mine and they're all doing other positions now as well in the company. It's definitely a good way to you know, get a foot in, get a, a start in, in the industry. And the, the sort of work you were doing, you said, was answering phone calls, answering customer inquiries, maybe setting up direct debits, ask, answering policy inquiries. What was it over the period of time that you were working your apprenticeship with Future Proof that you started to decide that perhaps a career as a financial advisor might be for you? Well, after after a while, you just sort of sort of start picking things up. I mean, by the time I was off the job as a trainee advisor, I already knew quite a lot about the different products. Of course, I didn't know how to apply them to people's circumstances, but that's something that I learned um, during my training. Mm-hmm. But um, I just sort of thought, thought, well, it seems like a good way um, to progress. It would give me a greater challenge as well, a bit more variety as gave me the chance to 
I always like helping people by advising them of helping people be best protected and they really do appreciate that as well. Um, I've also, since, I mean, since I've started advising, I've learned that I really like doing research for people with really, really challenging medical histories. Okay. Um, and that way I can yeah, basically find them the best solution, get them the best policy and the best terms. And quite often these people just wouldn't have thought, wouldn't have managed to do it without that sort of help. And, and what, what did you do when you made this decision that you wanted to become a financial advisor and, and let's face it there are it's not the it's not the career that a lot of young people set out to aspire to these days <laughs> which which I actually think is 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 a sad thing and hopefully the fact that you've done this and you've enjoyed it might actually um, uh, stimulate other younger people to consider a, a role in financial services but what, what did you do did you go to speak to the management at future proof and say look I, I want to move on from being customer service I actually want to become a trainee advisor how did you go about that I think some of the management here um, sort of approached me earlier. Well, they'd sort of implied that they think I'd be quite good at it, the way mm-hmm. that I can talk to people and um, how people can sort of understand me. And I don't use, you know, big words or anything when I talk to people. And they thought, well, and, and then when that with that sort of encouragement, that's when I applied for the role. Yeah, and, and I think that that ability to talk to people in a financial services role is very important. I mean, one of my big hobby horses, Molly, um, and I've been in this industry for 25 years, is the complexity, not only of the products and not only of the processes, but also of the language that we tend to use. And that doesn't matter whether we're talking about investment products or pensions or protection, which is what Future Proof um, tend to specialise in. We we do love our three-letter acronyms and our passive sentences <laughs> and, our, and our gobbledygook and our, and our management speak mumbo-jumbo. And it's really refreshing to talk to somebody who also doesn't like that way of talking. And again, I think that if you can, if you've got a, a skill and an ability to put over these financial services concepts, these protection concepts in a way that the man on the street can understand, then of course they're going to want to have you as their advisor because part of the problem is explaining these complicated concepts to them. Of course, uh, that makes sense to me, especially when I was doing the RO1 exam. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of things in there, lots of acronyms that I didn't understand at all. And it took me quite a while to try and work out what they were. So if, some, if, if, if I, I mean, I've got some experience and if I can't understand them, how like the everyday person who doesn't know anything at all about protection going to be able to understand that sort of thing? I always say to people, you've got to assume that your customer knows nothing. You've got to assume that they have no knowledge at all about your industry. So you can't use three-letter acronyms. You can't use industry jargon. Let's face it, a lot of people don't even know what the word protection means in the context that we would use it. You know, protection can mean completely different lots things. Lots of different things. <laughs> lots of different things. Of course it can. And and I think that that ability to communicate simply with people is, is a massive help to somebody who wants to develop a career in financial advice. So what, what are the qualifications? you're now working your way through you mentioned r01 just take us through the the process that you're going through molly well see there was the nvq level three in customer services uh, which i did obviously after my a levels um then i quite quickly tried to get out of the way as fast as possible the r01 which is basically regulations and ethics within both the uk and european financial services market yeah we've got people doing those exams at the at the moment and I'm sure they'll all agree that it's not the most enjoyable uh, study textbook then after that I did the RO5 
which is purely protection based. So obviously I found that quite a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I don't really need to do any more exams as such, but if, oh, I mean, I'm always doing training with, with um, I mean, we've got a training executive here who sit down and constantly go through things with us and give us ideas of how to improve. Obviously, it, um, in my opinion, I'm working with one of the top protection teams in the UK, mm-hmm. but um, I'm also always looking to gain more experience and more knowledge. I mean, you said you've got 25 years experience. I mean, think that there's anything you could recommend where I can improve? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I've, I've worked in the in the protection industry for a long time. Not always. I mean, my, my actual background and, and the job that I've always done is has been the marketing roles within financial services. So I've never actually given anybody any financial advice. I'm not qualified to do it. I've always been the one who's been doing advertisements, doing product development, doing um, presentations at conferences or presentations to um, advisors at roadshows and that sort of thing. But I think, again, I, I always come back to this issue that if you've got a subject which is, isn't is particularly at the top of everybody's list, and let's face it, very few people wake up in the morning and say, wow, today I'm going to look for some critical illness cover, <laughs> or wow, I want some income protection. You know, so you've got a problem straight away that it's not an exciting subject and therefore if it isn't an exciting subject the way you talk about it has got to sort of overcome those shortcomings make it as interesting as possible make it as understandable as possible and never ever forget that no matter how many years you spend doing the role always remember that the first time you speak to a customer they may know absolutely nothing about what it is and and I think that if you keep that in mind and you can keep your messages simple and understandable then you you have a massive advantage over the person who just goes straight in with all the um, jargon and mumbo jumbo. Now of course when I speak to people always try and so just imagine I was advising one of my friends yes that that kind of helps as well especially when you want to keep up retention rates as well so people remember you if you're friendly to them as well and what do your friends think about your career choice well it's difficult to explain people will say well what do you do for a job and I'll say oh um I financially advise people about life insurance products and they're like oh okay <laughs> they don't usually want to go too much into it no I guess I'm always encouraging them to take out income protection and critical illness that sort of thing because even when you're in your 20s you're you're still at risk, somewhat of a risk. And if you even if you do something to think about your future, then you're just keeping the premiums down as well that way. So tell me about, um, you obviously moved on from the customer service role. You're now a trainee financial advisor. Is there a specific case that you can remember that made you really proud of the job you're doing with Future Proof? Well, I guess probably the most um, memorable case that I have uh, was some, a lady I spoke to last year. She was actually passed on by another financial advisor, but um, they'd really been struggling to find this lady to cover. Right. Um, in short, she actually had cancer, uh, breast cancer, and she'd only finished her treatment about three months before I spoke to her. Okay. So generally speaking, within the industry, that would be it's pretty impossible to arrange cover, um, especially so soon after after that sort of treatment. Mm-hmm. Usually they'd want to wait a year or two so that you're treatment, you know, treatment free. Yeah. But um, I did loads of research just to sort of cover all possibilities. And actually, quite surprisingly, even to me, there was one company who said that as long as it's been a year since diagnosis, 
not treatment that they actually could potentially have the cover and so we applied uh, she was actually offered terms it, it wasn't cheap but because it was the only option she was more than happy to go for it unfortunately actually a couple of days after I got the terms on the policy so she was literally about to start it the insurance company withdrew the terms because oh. they were having a problem with their reinsurers or they hadn't checked something with them but uh, we thought this was really unfair especially as I told the client that yes you can have this policy so we argued it and eventually actually the insurance company said no that that's right it is unfair and she will make an exception she can have the policy so I mean even now she's we, we, I speak to her occasionally and she's still really really happy I think that's uh, that's a that's a good result I mean it should never have happened in the first place and of course they should have honoured the terms that they offered you it just shows us as well the insurance companies and they're not specifically looking to you know not give people the cover they need and um, we get problems with that with claims all the time where people think well the insurance companies don't want to pay out but that's definitely not true um, and that just shows of all the medical like research all the evidence they get before they offer someone cover no i think i think it's fair to say that um, the days of, of of companies turning claims down is long gone i think there's unfortunately still a perception amongst quite a few members of the public that the industry yeah. turns claims down but I think it's people like yourself and the experiences that you're having and, and the stories that you're going to be able to tell as your career progresses, you know, will start to overcome those perceptions, I think. And, and, that, and that's really important. I believe you've also entered some awards as well recently, haven't you, Molly? Tell me a little bit about that. How did you decide to uh, take that forward? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that was really people here at Future Proof. They thought that with all my hard work, that they would nominate me for the Young Achiever Award for the Protection Review. Right. Um, I obviously feel really, really lucky to have been nominated and that people had the confidence to put me forward. But, um, I mean, really, all I want to do is just do my job to the best of my abilities, really. Yeah. But then again, it's, this, is, it, this is all about developing as a role model. And, and as we've said, young people aren't massively drawn to the financial services industry. And I think that if somebody like yourself can show that it can be fun and it can be interesting <laughs> and there are there are things that you can achieve, like entering awards and that sort of thing, then hopefully the message will start to get out that it is a career that more people should actually have a look at. And, and, and thinking along those lines, have you got any tips that you would give to a young person who's thinking about joining the financial services industry? What would you say to them to encourage them? Uh, well, I'd definitely say to do your research and to find a reputable firm. Um, there's no point learning from a company who don't do things properly, of course, because you'll just end up picking up bad habits yourself. Um, also, be tenacious and open to any job where you can learn to progress the next steps. Uh, I would, I mean, if I'd applied for, to be an advisor immediately, coming straight out of college with no experience, then of course, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten the job at all. Whereas obviously working your way up from the bottom, then it just means that you're learning more and gives you a better chance to progress that way as well. Yeah, it's all about gaining experience. When I first joined the financial service industry, I wanted to get into marketing. That was what I wanted to do. But there were no marketing opportunities because no company would take you on unless you had marketing experience. And there I was coming straight out of 
college with a with a bit of marketing in my degree but very little else and what I had to do is I had to go and work in a company I think my first job was like a technical services assistant or something like that and I learned about the industry and eventually an opportunity came along and I applied for a job within a marketing team within a company and got transferred over and that's how it happened to me so I think sometimes you do have to almost like go in at a parallel level learn yeah, about the company and and then and then move into the position that you that you want to to go for where do you think you're going to be in five years molly i thought about that question <laughs> um well i guess really is i just want to gain more experience and therefore growing confidence um i mean obviously future proof is growing so lots of opportunities are beginning to open up and i'm sure that if i work hard then hopefully opportunities will open up for me as well also, I'd like to be recognised by my peers and my clients as a trusted expert in my field. Um, I have some great role models here at Future Proof, and we all work really, really hard, so I'd just like to help them grow further. Um, as you mentioned earlier as well, one of the most important things of the in, in the industry is just to get uh, the protection word out there. It is obvious that not enough people have cover, especially income protection. I mean, that's hugely undersold. So Molly, it's been really great to talk to you this afternoon about your developing career as a trainee financial <laughs> advisor. And what would you say was the one big thing that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experiences you've had so far? Well, if, any, well, if any young people listen to the podcast, then I'd definitely say just never, never say no to the opportunity to learn or, grow, or gain more experience, really. Um, because it doesn't matter if it's just you know, a conference or um, an extra training session, it's always going to help in the long term. Absolutely. And this is the Marketing and Finance Podcast, and I do like to explore with my guests some marketing campaigns or products that have caught their attention recently. It doesn't necessarily have to be in financial services, but is there a company out there or a marketing campaign or a product that you've seen recently that really makes you think, yep, I really like what they're doing? Um, well, in terms of products, there's probably quite a few. Um, just to mind, um, I think that um, Underwrite Me, obviously, the company as a whole, but also the the what their new platform to bring all the different insurance companies together is a really good idea, uh, especially because, well, for me, it makes things a bit uh, quicker. And I can also use it to set my clients' expectations. Um, it also will reduce the need to do pre-sales underwriting as well in the long as more companies join in, in the long term or more insurance companies. Yeah, so basically what they're doing is they're making sure that the customer has a better idea of what they're going to pay and they can be pretty confident that's what they're going to pay once they've applied for their policy. Whereas in the past, sometimes you could apply for a policy thinking you were going to get one premium only for the company to come back to you and say, sorry, but we're going to increase the premium to a higher level. <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. Much. So yeah. I always try to make sure that I know um, of any sort of premium increases before I apply for a policy, but it does sort of cut the need out to do that, to make these calls as much. Fantastic. And Molly, I'm hoping there are people listening to the show who might want to get in touch with you. Maybe there's a young person out there thinking about a career in financial services, might want to have a chat with you over coffee. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? It could be email, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, it, 
it would either be my um, email, which is molly with an IE at futureproofinsurance.co.uk, or um, I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. I'll put links to LinkedIn and the email address in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Molly, it's been great to have you on the show today. I've really enjoyed talking to you about your career and how it's developed, how you're heading towards being a fully fledged financial advisor. Let me wish you all the success for the future (laughs) and your five year ambition and good luck with that protection review award as well. Thank you very much. It's been lovely speaking with you too. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.